Welcome to Red Carpet Retirement. This podcast is all about helping business owners and those in the entertainment and creative industries secure and protect their financial future. We provide educational stories and specific strategies so you can achieve the red carpet retirement you so richly deserve. Now here's your host, Adam Scott. Hello and welcome to Red Carpet Retirement with your host, Adam Scott. Adam, what's going on? Hey, Erica, as ever, it is terrific to be with you here. You make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, I'm telling you, here's, here's the thing. For those that are viewing this on a device that can see our lovely faces, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I'm sitting right next to Adam talking. And uh, Adam, you've got a great guest on the show today. I'm so excited about the conversation because I know what it's about. But why don't you share with the audience what you guys are talking about today and who you brought on? Um with someone else today that is an absolute delight to be with and that is jennifer burnham grubbs she's a dear friend of mine and an expert in the insurance industry and today we're going to be talking about long-term care and i know a lot about it but jennifer knows even more so we're going to learn from both of us <laughs> but particularly from jennifer lots to learn lots and lots to learn so jennifer um please uh tell the audience a little bit more about yourself Sure. First of all, I just want to say, Adam, thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be doing this podcast with you. You're a dear friend and we've known each other. Wow. I don't know. Long time now. So this is one of those opportunities to nerd out about something we both uh, find very interesting. So um, my name is Jennifer Burnham Grubbs. I'm owner and founder of a company called Quantum Insurance Services, which is a risk management consulting firm based out of Los Angeles. We have clients all across the U.S. and we specialize in helping advisors and people um, find the best value out of their insurance designs. It's a kind of niche expertise focus on purpose. Um, we find it's a complex industry and we work with every single carrier that has an A rating or higher. And our job is to always scour through trends and stay up to date with the latest ways of using these kinds of products. So they actually work for the client and not just for commission purposes for producers and agents. Um, I'm also founder of a nonprofit called Women of Wealth, which is an organization dedicated to helping women in specific moving through financial uh, literacy into fluency and then mastery as one of the women in an industry, uh, you know, that's pretty male dominated. I think at my level, about 4% of, of the producers are female. I just learned that recently. So I'm passionate about helping women believe that they're, uh, you know, able to learn and understand these sorts of things, just like men can. Right. Well, well, that's great. And um, maybe you should be talking to my wife too. Uh, <laughs> I try to educate her, but, uh, but look, there are a lot of very smart women um, in the financial industry as well. But that's that's great work that 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 you're doing there, and yeah, uh, why I have worked with Jennifer for a while is because you know I feel that she's um, she loves getting into the weeds of things. She loves getting things right. Um, she's really smart. Uh, she she went to Princeton, which is <laughs> a, a huge accomplishment. Um, I think she was uh, was that magna cum laude or summa cum laude there, Jennifer. Cool yeah, yeah, we're exactly. going to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she can handle the complexities of insurance, and she's very ethical, and uh, those are two things that I look for. Now, so today we're going to be talk. I'm going to give a quick um, introduction about what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be touching on ten different things. Okay, and that sounds a lot, but I'm going to lay them out. It'll be painless. It'll be painless. We'll make painless. it fun somehow. Be, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> So the first thing is I'm going to talk about my personal experience with my mother and my mother-in-law. And uh, one 
who had long-term care insurance and one who didn't. <laughs> and, and how I had a kind of come to Jesus moment, my wife and I both did going through that. So that's the first point we're going to talk to about what is it? What is long-term care and why you may or may not need it? Number three, we're going to talk about the different kinds of long-term care solutions because it's, you know, it's a, unfortunately, the insurance industry makes lots of different products, which means it's a different product for your particular circumstances, but it also makes it more complicated. We're going to talk about number four, why it's kind of pricey, but why it might be worth the cost. Uh, number five, Jennifer's going to give us a, a quote from my wife and I. <laughs> so I've put her on the spot there, just so you can get a, an idea um, for one particular kind of product. Number six, we're going to talk about the best age to get it. Is it my age? Right, I'm 62. My wife is, um, I think I might have told you, Jennifer, that she was 60. I think she's 61. Okay, oh, okay. so is, is it better for me to get it now? Is it better for me to wait uh, till age 67? Number seven, how much coverage do you need? And how does that all work regarding the coverage? Number eight, who does it work best for, right? Does it work best if you're poor? Does it work best if you're kind of average? Does it work best if you're rich? Number nine, a compelling reason why even the rich may need it. And number 10, choosing the right insurance company. <laughs> Oh, we're going to go to the best one for last. <laughs> so do you think we're going to get through all that, Jennifer? No. <laughs> we'll have to do a three-part series, which I'm fine with because I love working with you, Adam. But okay, we'll do our yeah. best. We'll, we'll touch on high best. points and people yeah. who want to really nerd out can can follow up. Right, right. Can contact us. Right. So <laughs> do you have anything else before I start on my uh, the story of my mother, Jennifer? No, I mean, I think this is an amazing outline. So kudos. And I hate to hear that you've had to deal with long-term care because it's a terrible part of life to have to deal with, but I'd love to hear your stories. Right. So my wife's mother, fortunately, uh, my wife's sister was in the business and she sold her mother many, many years ago, her mother and her stepfather, she sold them a long-term care policy. And to be candid, long-term care was a lot cheaper back then when they got it. Her mother ended up needing to go into a care home and so did her father. So both people ended up in care. Her father was taken care of at home and lived out in the remainder of his years with like two nurses at home paid for by long-term care or, or, or two care workers. And um, her mother ended up in a five-star, like an incredible facility. Uh, and uh, there's no way that we would have paid for, for that or whatever. It would have created discussions, right? And to be honest, she ended up penniless. The one thing she had was a really good long-term care policy. And uh, now my mother seemed like she's quite an affluent woman, but my mother lived almost to 100. It would have been her, her 100th birthday, actually, on May the 11th. So, uh, you know, that that's a, a short while ago, May the 11th. And, uh, uh, and for the last few years, you know, she was an incredibly independent woman. But by the mid-90s, it was pretty apparent she needed somebody to live with her and uh, care for her. And the final months were spent in a care home. And, you know, all of that obviously was out of her pocket. And to be honest, her funds were rapidly drawing down. So by the time she died, the main asset that she had was her house. And this was in England, by the way. And um, we'll talk more about this later and about the friction that this can cause. But 
that is my personal experience. <laughs> when, and there was a discussion with my mother, which care home was she going to go into? And the one I really wanted her to go into, my sisters didn't want to put her into it because it was expensive. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's the King Lear thing. It's amazing what happens. And we're kind of jumping ahead on this, but it's a crisis in the family. It's a financial crisis. And then because it's a financial crisis, it's also an emotional crisis because money and emotion are inextricably linked. It's very triggering. It's triggering when a parent's going through this period of life anyway. And unfortunately, there is inevitable disagreement, even among the closest of siblings. I have a similar experience. My father had a ground mal stroke and basically was paralyzed from the left side forever. And he was wanting to live at home and full-time round-the-clock care at home without long-term care um, is $10,000 a month these days. And my father did not have money and it would have used his assets up in I don't know, 18 months. And uh, there was a lot of discussion about whether to put him in a facility. He didn't want to be in a facility. He wanted to be at home in the comfort of his home. But make no mistake, it's crazy expensive. And that's today. The average long-term care claim in 30 years is going to be $1.3 million per person. Because if wow. we remember, too, the boomer generation is only just beginning to get into that age range where the average age for long-term care is 83 if you're lucky enough to live long enough to get into long-term care, the average age where you really finally need some care is 83. Um, it's different from the mortality risk. Mortality risk has actually gone down in this country. It's lower than that. But if you're going to last, you're going to last, and then you're going to need long-term care. Three out of four people, male or female, are going to need long-term care. And actually, slightly more women than men will need long-term care. The statistics are slightly higher. And also for women, if we are on long-term care, we tend to last longer than men on long-term care. So men might last two, three years. Women can last six, seven, eight, nine years, which means that dwindling that you can, you've, you've experienced and seen can really, really occur. Right, right, absolutely. And we may talk about these themes a little bit more as we go through. So, you know, what is it? You know, what is it? And well, I'm, I'm going to talk quickly about this and then you can talk about the solutions, right? Okay, sure. Jennifer, and you can add anything to what I, but sure. yeah, the nutshell of what long-term care is, is it's going to pay for an assisted living facility if you end up having to go into an assisted, you know, an old people's home, right? Or at least that's what we called it in England. It's going to pay for that. And, uh, and it's really expensive, <laughs> which is the nutshell, if you have to pay out of pocket about why you may need it. Uh, so Jennifer, do you want to move on to the on to the kind of the different kinds of solutions or is there any other is there anything you need to add to why what it is and why you may need it? The one thing I want to talk about which is very important is there are different kinds of long-term care plans these days. There are indemnity plans and then reimbursement plans. So basically what that means is traditional long-term care will reimburse expenses for a facility, or some of them can be designed to also cover in-home care, which is really nice to have because most people last longer if they're in their own home. If you go into a facility, you last, you you die faster in a facility. It's just a fact, statistic. Yeah, so, you know, I, I will, I will, I guess a quick anecdote about that. You know, so my mother almost got to a hundred, mm -hmm. and uh, had been determined that she never wanted to leave her home, but it came to the point where she barely knew that she was in her own home and, and it just became impractical. We had a sit, sit down and we discussed the three of us, if we put her in a home, we better realize she may die within three months of being in a home. And I don't want to alarm people because not everything is like that. Right. My mother was hitting on a hundred. Um, 
but indeed she went in a home and and she died fairly shortly thereafter it, w- it was a good home and that's another discussion but yeah, yes. something about the soul is just happier at home. So it's really recommended to get in-home care as a feature in your policy. It's usually a, a, a you have to request it, but it can be built into most of the traditional long-term care policies. But in any case, so you do want to be able to have coverage for in-home care or facility care in an ideal circumstance because it makes a big difference. And then the questions are, is it just reimbursement based as in you start to receive the care, then you gather the receipts, you submit them, and then the carrier will pay you back and make you whole? Or there are policies where it's just an infusion of cash to use for whatever you want. And there are nuances between the two because um, if it's just cash, there are uh, fewer strictures that you have to qualify for versus if it's a reimbursement base, sometimes you have to be using a qualified provider. There's a little bit more red tape in that, but that's just something that's good to know just in the long-term care space. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great thing, Jen. I hadn't even thought of that. And it sounds a lot simpler to me to be getting that steady thing of cash. And, and I prove I've qualified. And after that, I get the cash as opposed to submitting receipts. But well, so this is a great segue. Oh, if you okay. want. Let's talk about a quote for you, if you want, because okay. it's a great way to see. Yeah. So here's, here's yeah. the gist with long term mm. care. It's complex these days, mm. and it's more expensive than ever because people are living way too long. The carriers back in the day where my grandmother had a long term care policy, it was the same as your mother in law's. I mean, it was not. Yeah, your mother in law's. It was amazing. She had a stroke. She lasted 16 years with full time round the clock care. And it was covered. And when 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 she did pass away, she still had a little bit of money left to give to each child, and she still had her home. I mean, they don't make policies like that anymore, right? Because the carriers, when they first invented this product, they just really underestimated longevity, and they did not charge anywhere near as much as they should have for this to be something where they could even remotely make a profit. So one of the things we've seen is this huge escalation in premiums for long-term care. Now, the reason is, again, most people are going to use it. And, and so it's not free, right? It's, it's a, they're a for-profit business, all the insurance companies. Um, in your case, we can look at a quote if you want to and start to look at the difficult decisions one has to be making with long-term care. Cause you know, it's like a flow chart. Option A, put your head in the sand. And then I can tell you what will happen. <laughs> Option B, do something about it, right? And depending on when you do something about it, it'll be a bigger or smaller, bitter pill to swallow to some extent, right? There are certain things, if you start really early, in my opinion, it doesn't have to be a bitter pill, but you have to start really, really young and we can get into products with that. But if you, most people don't even start thinking about long-term care until they're maybe 50 or 60. And at that point, you're going to see, wow, this is not cheap, so we right. can, if you're comfortable, we can kind of talk about your quotes as an old Sure, sure. Let's just, before we mention um, my quote, um, let's, uh, I'm just going to talk about number three, which is the different kinds of just, oh yeah. Uh, do you want to go into the, the nutshell of, as I see it, there are three different kinds of solutions. Oh, yes. I, I'll say what they are, and then you can add anything, but we got to keep it moving. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great idea. Yeah, I'll um, give a good overview. Yeah, no, so... The three different products are the one that I favor, which is plain vanilla, traditional long-term care insurance. Then uh, because there are some downsides of that and it's expensive and it's money out the door and 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 if you don't, you know, it's going to use it or lose it. If you don't go into a home, uh, you've been paying all for all those years and, and it was just money out the door that you never got. So the insurance 
industry invented another product that we'll call hybrid, where if you don't use the money, it can go to your heirs or, you know, you, Jennifer, you can correct me. Uh, you can, there are some products where you can even take the money out yourself if you don't use it. And then there's a third version, which is life insurance or annuities where they have long-term care riders. So really you're buying life insurance, you're buying an annuity, but you're putting a rider in there that allows you to use those funds. So you're paying a little bit more so you can use those funds for long-term care should you need it. Um, and that can be a great option if you've got an annuity, but I'm generally a fan of the first one, which is you is plain vanilla. And if we have time, I think we'll need to do it at the end. We can kind of debate the pros and cons. Um, but is there anything you want to add to that, particularly around the hybrid policies, Jen? I mean, I think we'll get into it when we look at your illustration. Okay. What I did for you was I quoted, knowing your preference too, I quoted mm. one plain vanilla and then mm -hmm. one of the hybrids that's popular today, which is a product through One America, just so you can sort of see a little bit the pros and cons of it. The problem with long-term care is it is a really, you know, what you just outlined, which is brilliant, three main categories of how to solve. Those themselves are, are each one is complex within each of those categories. So um, it, it is easy to get into the weeds. And the one thing I want to remind everybody is at the end of the day, having something is better than nothing because the alternative, there is no social safety net in our country at all. Um, Medicare doesn't cover long-term care. Medicaid, if you denude your entire estate and have nothing more than $2,000 to your name, um, then you can get into a Medicaid facility. But let me tell you, my I, my, I had to put my father in one because he never would have qualified for long-term care. And it's terrible. It's three people to a room. I get him a new iPad or a watch or clothing with labeled, you know, and when I go see him next, none of that is there. He's not wearing even the same clothes I gave him. It's it's a terrible and sad sort of state of affairs. And that's if you can manage to get yourself into a Medicaid facility. And he's in one of the best you could imagine. It's in Northern California wine country. And it's, you know, they, they do their best, but it's, wow. it's not how you want to go. And trust me, he's miserable there. He's always calling to say, get me out of here. <laughs> and oh ironically, goodness. for a man, he's lasted like seven years in this place. And so he couldn't be more angry about it, but it's the best we can do in his circumstance. So this is something that's kind of dear to my heart. So yeah, well, we can talk about if you want your quotes. I think it's a nice way to kind of get right. into a little more. Well, specific. just uh, I just want to just repeat that thing about about um, about uh, Medicare doesn't cover it. Like most people seem to think that Medicare will cover it, yeah. and uh, I sort of retire when you're retired and you're a retiree and and you're going on to Medicare and they're paying all your health insurance bills. They do not pay for for long term care, and actually also teeing off where you're talking about the quality of care. Um, Jennifer. So my mother was in England. And one of the reasons why she ended up getting pneumonia, but they would never put her long underwear on, right? In the winter. And my sisters would go and see her and they kept like misplacing the long underwear, right? And, or not putting it on, right? And so if you're in a high, high class facility, you're going to get better care. So again, you don't want to end up in the Medicaid facility. And then, uh, I just want to talk about why it's expensive, but why it may be worth the cost. And maybe we've already touched on this, but the way that I see it is it's if I was going to buy um, fire insurance for my house, well, I have fire insurance for my house. I'm living in a fire zone. I better have fire insurance for my house, right? I've been evacuated. But 
imagine this summer, and you can think of me this summer when it's really hot and you hear about wildfires in Southern California around the Topanga area. And uh, if I go out and I want to buy uh, insurance for my house as a fire is approaching my house, the insurance company is probably good. They're going to refuse to insure me. But if they did, they would charge me such a huge premium. They'd have to charge me enough to cover the whole cost of my house. And that's why long-term care is expensive because this is not like most insurance where there's very little chance of it happening. You know, outside of a wildfire, there's very little chance of most people's houses burning down. So insurance is relatively affordable, right? It, it covers you against a, a catastrophic but, ex, but extremely unlikely risk. But long-term care is not like that. Long-term care is that wildfire coming towards you, and it's really expensive, and chances are you're going to need it. That's why it's expensive. So <laughs> with that... I know you've been burning to give me the quote, so we're getting to, this is, if you're counting, by the way, we're now getting to item number five, my wife and I's analysis and quote. You know, you just did a really good lesson in actuarial risk, because you're right. You know, when there's a three out of four chance that something's going to happen to you, those are not great odds, right? So right. no bookie is going to give you cheap rates on that, on that gamble. And that's really what it is, right? So it's more like an investment and almost a certainty, the one in four chance being that you you pass away suddenly rather than declining, right? So in your case, since we hope, because you're a friend of mine and I know your wife and she's a friend of mine, we hope you both live to be a ripe old age and when and if you do have to at some point decline, you can do it in comfort. So we looked at some quotes for you and you gave me your ages. Your health is decently good. I mean, at least decent or better. My health you're, is incredible, you're Jennifer. You're in great shape, actually. You're a god among men in <laughs> health. Right. And your yeah. wife is, too. And my wife is, too. Well, that actually is significant because long-term care, traditional long-term care is getting harder than ever to even get approved. It's at the point now where I take a case in, it's got maybe one in three chances of getting approved. Because what the carriers for traditional long-term care are doing is they're cherry-picking risk. They're approving only the people they think are least likely to decline anytime soon. If you've got a bad hip, you've got hmm, asthma, a little mitral valve prolapse, an enlarged atrium, any of those things, they might flat out decline you. Yeah, just I just want to add. Just want to add something to that, Jennifer. Yeah, I, um, um, I've had clients who, as they're getting older, they they might go to the doctor about memory issues it's not i mean basically it's no different than anybody else i mean they're working a high-powered job so i know they're extremely confident people but you know they had a little concern uh, about their, their memory and immediately it invalidates them for long-term care yep especially but, that yeah the, the carriers are most afraid of alzheimer's because alzheimer's people physically last a long time but require very extraordinarily expensive care so it's the kiss of death and even if your parents have had alzheimer's because sometimes people will be like oh, my mom had alzheimer's i see it now i want long-term care but even the fact that your parents had it can count against you so it's very important to know they're cherry picking traditional long-term care so even the fact that you're um very very healthy is important because uh, it means that's even on the table to get a traditional long-term care policy. And that's the thing where people who procrastinate thinking, I want to time it just right. I don't want to buy it till I'm a little older. Well, it can bite you in that by then one or two conditions show up on your medical history. It might even be off the table, which is a tricky thing today. Um, right. But so um, we looked at a traditional long-term care policy for the two of you. And we looked at something that would give you about 4,500 a month in benefits. Okay? And what does that break down to um, a day? 
Oh, you're going to ask me. I think, it's, I think it's 150 a day. 150. Isn't it? Yeah. 150, 150 a day. times yeah. three. I think so. Yeah. So $150 a day. We wanted to include a 3% cost of living, compound cost of living rider because inflation being at this point, what, 8%, uh, 9%, maybe even um, $4,500 a month today won't last anywhere near as far in 20 years when you reach the age of 83. So we want cost of living inflation rider if at all possible, so that this isn't actually worth half as much by the time you will need it, mm -hmm. right? So a 3% cost of living inflation rider is added to this particular quote. There is a two-party discount for traditional long-term care when you're applying with a partner, so that's cool. And with that discount, it's going to run about $6,548 a year for the two of you combined, okay. right? That's not bad at all. That's, that's pretty decent. Um, and that's the cheapest it gets. So let's take mm -hmm. it from there, right? There's <laughs> 3% included uh, on cost of living inflation rider, and then a $9,000 a month benefit, okay, mm -hmm. each. And then it's $16,557 a year. That's getting pretty serious, right? Okay. So we're going from 150 a day to $300 a, a dollars exactly. a day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. As okay, I just want to say to the audience, that's $300 a day each, right? So yeah. if my wife and I were both in care, that's $600 a day. And by the way, I would say that the yeah, you know, that's the well. In fact, we were just talking about long-term care, right? I mean, let's go back to that four thousand five hundred. That's that's probably not going to cover the cost of my care, my monthly care in LA, forty-five hundred. Not uh, even I, is today. My guess. Not today. Not, not yeah. even today. Not yeah, even th this today. is the thing. So remember, people are happier in their own home, right? Mm -hmm. If you want in-home care, as of five or seven years ago in LA or in California, it was ten thousand dollars a month for around-the-clock care. So five years ago, it was 10000 a month. So 4500 a month isn't going to cut it, <clears throat> which means you're going to have to go into a facility if something serious happens, like a stroke. Mm -hmm. And now if you get something like 9000 a month, there might be a way of doing it. But that's the yeah. difficult decisions we were talking about, that bigger or smaller, bitter pills to swallow kind of thing mm -hmm. that we were talking about. Just remember at the end, there's an even more bitter, terrible pill to swallow if there's no planning done, which was option one, was put your head in the sand about all of this, right? So these are difficult conversations to have. It's not fun to spend this money. It's not going towards a vacation or a retirement or anything like that. Um, but what it is going to give you is more control and access to comfort, right? So that's that's one thing. Now, let's just put that aside for now. We're going to come back to it. I do want to mention that these are uh, no longer unlimited benefits so that that payout only lasts three years. After right. three years, you've used up the benefits. So if you happen to live longer than three years, then you're definitely going to dip into your own savings at that point. Um, what we do today, since there aren't that many total indemnification, all the risk is covered by one product kind of thing is we just look at this as taking some of the pressure off the retirement savings that someone like you is working so hard to grow for clients so God forbid, it doesn't all have to be allocated towards this one worst time of someone's life, right? That hopefully they can enjoy some of their retirement for vacations and fun and weddings for their kids and whatever else so that they don't have to keep it all just to cover this one contingency. Instead, let the insurance carrier cover part of that risk. Um, so, you know. I'm going to just say one other thing. And um, um and I'm sure you're going to touch on this, but there, there is the... Uh, uh, maybe, Maybe I had it 
later in the podcast, but I mention it now, which is the elimination period, right? Is okay. that mm-hmm. you don't, is that you have to go, the standard elimination period is 90 days. So, mm-hmm. so you'd be in care for 90 days before it would start paying out and, and you can make a longer elimination period to make it, to make it cheaper. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably going to be too complicated to get into all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jennifer, were you going to, okay, that's great. So, so we've got there, we've got the, um, we've got the 9,000 a month each, which would do a really good job in current prices of covering us, which includes the 3% inflation kicker. Yeah. You know, we got the quote for $4,500 a month each, which was a lot cheaper, again, in, including the 3% uh, inflation kicker. And this is all just standard vanilla. And I'm fine with that, but it sounded like you wanted to give me some other suggestions. Yeah. So this is the use it or lose it, right? Three out of four people will use it. One out of four will pass away and never use it. All that money was down the drain. There's no death benefit. There's no cash growth, nothing, right? And remember this, unfortunately, the premiums are not guaranteed to stay the same. They can raise them anytime because by law, they're required to stay solvent because the state has to bail out the company if it folds. And so they go to the state and they say, oof, we underquoted, we got to raise rates on existing policies. And the state says, do what you got to do. And that's happened. And they, they tend to raise them 30, 40% whenever those happen. So these rates are not guaranteed, right? But there are um, a lot of good things about this kind of vanilla policy because it's at least um, uh, slightly more affordable, I would say, than the hybrid policies. So a hybrid policy, there's one with one America that's gaining in popularity. And what that says is, okay, you're going to have an unlimited long-term care benefit. So it can't run out on you if you do need long-term care. That's very attractive because that doesn't really exist anywhere else yet. It's going to be inclusive of a death benefit that if you're that one in four person who passes away, you actually get a death benefit instead. So that's something you get sort of like a, a recoup some of your money that way. And there's a bit of cash inside the policy that grows and it grows tax-free in most circumstances. So you can even, if you go a really long time and you change your mind about this whole thing, maybe you inherit so much money, you feel that even with a long-term care claim, you could self-insure or whatever, and you want to just cancel the policy. There's cash value or what they call surrender value, which is you you just cancel the policy and get a bunch of money back. Okay. So there's a little bit more of a one or two or three different ways this thing will definitely pay you back right Mm -hmm. as opposed to with a long-term care policy traditional one three uh, 75 chance this policy will pay you back 25 chance it'll just be a total loss right right so those are attractive guarantees but looking at a one american policy with similarly um 150 a month benefit for each of you and a 3% cost of living inflation rider, mm-hmm. you're talking 12177 a year in premium. So almost double, right? right? 6500 versus 12177 okay. And if you're, and if you're looking at um, the $300 daily benefit, so $9,000 a month with 3% COLA, uh, you're looking at 24354 a year in premium. So not quite double, okay. but um you know okay well that's that's good info and again we better keep keep going but at least we've given the audience something to think about i get i get really fascinated with this part (laughs) because what you end up doing is this playing the pros and cons right the uh the traditional long-term care it's uh reimbursement based so you'd have to be dealing with receipts but it's a heck of a lot cheaper 
but the premiums aren't guaranteed. But if you're in your 60s, well, there hopefully won't be that many rate hikes between now and when you use it. So you might really still come out ahead. And I'm sure from your point of view, if you're not overspending on the long-term care, you can still put the rest of what you might have to play with to work for you. So it's growing. And you know, there's the pros and cons, the opportunity costs of what you would put towards an insurance policy. Uh, right. So there's lots of different decisions to make. Yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about... Uh, um, Items six, seven, and eight, <laughs> and then I'm going to come back and and add something to what we were just uh, what you're talking about there. But I want to try to get through my little uh, my ten points here. So, um, item number six was what's the best age to get it, and I'm going to say it in a nutshell that that yeah, I was doing some reviews on how much it would cost me to get it now, and how much it would cost me say to get it at age sixty seven. So, reminder: I'm sixty two. My wife is sixty one. What if I put it off to my retirement age? Because I think I'm really healthy. I know I'm not going to need it. At least I think I'm not going to need it the next six six years or five years. And I realized from doing the calculation that that although, of course, I will save money in the short term, that the, that because the premiums become more expensive, that they get to be about thirty percent more, thirty to forty percent more expensive. They thirty percent more expensive for my wife, forty percent more expensive for myself really approximately. And so the crossover would be around age 80. If I get to age 80 and I don't need long-term care and I keep living, actually it doesn't matter whether I need it or not. Bottom line is if we exceed the age age of 80, we will have been better off buying it early because we'll have lower premiums for longer. And we get the double benefit that if something does happen, if I have a stroke, like I have friends who've had strokes in their 50s, I've had friends who had tragically got Alzheimer's in their 50s, right? If something terrible like that happens to my wife or uh, myself, between now and then, we're insured, right? So the best age to get it, I'm, I don't know how young, I mean, Jennifer, I don't think we're going to have time to talk about going even younger than me, but it does seem that around my wife's and my age, 60 to 62, it's better than waiting to 65, 67. <laughs> Listen, I've seen this too often. You wait to 65, 67, you're going to be uninsurable for one reason or another, for a traditional long-term care policy today. Right. Or it's going to be so expensive that you're not going to really, unless you're very, very well off, comfortably be able to do it. And there's even the point where you get a little insulted that it costs so dang much that you're right. just like, huh? So I do agree with you. I think for traditional long-term care, especially um, 60 to 62 is an absolute sweet spot, Adam. Okay, good. Thanks. And good reminder, Jennifer, because that's, yes, I've seen that too about <laughs> clients getting towards 67, you know, 70 and that memory issue I mentioned, you know, yeah. that that's the type of thing that I've seen happen where someone suddenly they can't get it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was such a, a whim that they went to the that that kind of client might go to a doctor for. I see yeah. this all too often. Right. This is my area, and it's tragic. And so it's like that. The analogy of the fire: the best time to buy your insurance for the fire thing with your house is when there's nowhere near any risk of fire near your house. The even in you know Topanga where you live now, if you're trying to get your fire insurance, you might not even be able to buy it unless right. you already had it before. So it's a really absolutely the risk management folks are not dummies. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was item number six. Number seven is how much coverage do you need and how does it work? And I think we've already actually kind of covered that. Yeah, um, yeah. You pick yeah. well. I'd say one hundred fifty a day, 
220 a day at a minimum would be just a minimum. And ideally, if you can afford it with a cost of living rider, um, you know, 3% should be plenty, 3% compound, ideally. Um, yeah, I would say play around with those numbers and, and anything better than that is gravy. Right, right. Yeah. And I would say about the inflation is just you know, think that if you didn't buy inflation in your long-term care policy and you, let's say you just bought it five years ago, right? And you thought, well, there's not really much inflation around. I can't afford to do it. Well, look at the inflation we've had in the last few years. Hopefully that's not going to continue, but these things are unpredictable. That's why for myself, it is automatic. I, I'm going to get it with a long, with an inflation um, rider. Adam, uh, there's one more thing people need to be really cognizant of. We're right now still in a period where demand for long-term care is low. Mm. And if you look at supply and demand in economics, the greater the demand, the lower the supply or the scarcer the supply and therefore the higher the cost. Now, what we're talking about is the boomer generation aging up, aging into long-term care. And when those numbers really start to hit, because it's only just beginning now, the cost for care will go up even higher. So it's really important for people to realize that we haven't lived through a period of time yet where people have lived this long and are going to be in facilities as long as the baby boomer generation look looks like it should and will be. So that's another thing to really remember about the costs for right. the care itself. Right. And one thing I wanted to mention about, uh, yeah, with traditional long-term care, the carriers um, increasing the rates and yeah, they've kind of learned their lesson, uh, I, I believe, to some extent in recent years, that they're pricing more accurately because basically they made it way too cheap early on. They didn't expect people to live so long. but And the state of California is not too keen on letting them increase their rate when they've already sent you a policy. So they really have to jump, jump through some hoops to increase the rates. Uh, but but it can happen, uh, as as Jennifer said. And if hey, if we start all living to 120, um, then sure. <laughs> and we, if we start you know living in care homes for 20 years, then uh, the rates will probably increase. But hey, at least you'll then have coverage when you're in that care home. Um, so uh, who does it? I'm going to just briefly talk about who did it work best for. That you know traditionally, the traditional wisdom is that if you have no assets, sadly, like your father, Jennifer, right? He didn't need a long-term care policy. It would have been ridiculous for him. Say ridiculous. I mean, look, he would have got benefits, as you said, if he had spent his last time on long-term care policy, he would be living in a better facility than he is now. But at least he would have got something, right? Um, uh, sorry, at least with Medicaid, he is getting something and he has not spent down his last dollar, Um to pay for Medicaid because you didn't have a last dollar, right? So if you think that if you don't have any assets or if you've got, if your assets are pretty small, then you may not pay for, you may not need long-term care. You're just going to have to go into a Medicaid facility. If you're very rich, the idea is that you can self-insure. Uh, you know, if you've got $20 million or whatever, you've got plenty of money to pay for a long-term care facility. And hey, if you die not needing a long-term care, then your heirs can get the money. So the idea generally is that it's dedicated towards people like me. I'm, I'm not penniless and I'm not, I'll be frank, I don't yet have $20 million, right? Uh, so if I do end up in care, if my wife and I end up in care, there's going to be a significant cost and it's going to significantly kind of impact our wealth. And this way, uh, the, the piggy in the middle, you know, 
can be covered, right? That we we know that we're good. Now, I'm going to move on and say, however, I don't think that's the biggest reason for getting it and that even rich people need it because as Jennifer alluded to in the beginning, so this is number, this is number nine, a compelling reason why even rich people need it. It is seeing the disagreement. It's seeing the fractured relationships that happen because, okay, I've got very wealthy clients and some of my very wealthy clients are very strong-willed people who think they'll never lose their mind and think they'll never die. And they don't think they need things like this. They don't think that their kids will ever be looking after them. My mother did not think, she was an incredibly self-willed, actually very uh, financially successful, strong-willed woman. She never thought that we would be taking care of her, literally, physically, bodily, doing the kind of things we had to do for her, much less doing these other things to do with uh, taking financial responsibility for her, right? And I mentioned earlier about the disagreement between my sisters and myself about or one of my sisters and myself about you know which home to put her in and i have seen funds being run down to pay for long-term care and maybe have a couple of siblings and one of them is financially okay and the other one is relying on that inheritance right they need that inheritance this is a bit of a difference between myself and my siblings right the money is that of a potential inheritance is much more important to one of us than it is to the other of us others of us right and so then you get this disagreement um, uh, between the kids. And this way, if you're wealthy, you're taking responsibility for your own life, for your own future. And uh, this is also, by the way, one of the reasons why I prefer the kind of plain vanilla long-term care, because it's not about leaving an inheritance for the kids. The inheritance is separate. This is you taking control of your future you making sure that you can afford that five-star rest home and you're not going to have some kid saying, you know, putting you in the four-star rest home, right? <laughs> or let alone the one-star rest home. Oh, man. But, Adam, <laughs> I totally agree with you. It's about dignity and control and at a time when you're most helpless. And I think, unfortunately, even in families that are very poor or very rich, I've seen some of the most shocking and ugly disputes arise as a result of these frustrations and arguments. And it's the same with estate planning. You know, people think, oh, what do I care? I'll be gone. Well, that's one way to look at it. But especially with long-term care, you actually won't be gone. You're going to be the one needing to go pee and wishing someone could have changed the bedpan or wishing someone would put your long underwear on you. And it's a very vulnerable situation. So me being a personally like a control freak kind of person, um, I don't want to leave it to my two kids who bicker constantly right now over, I don't know, a, a headband or, or milk or, or whatever it is. It's whatever it is. It's human nature. If you have any shred of um, the ability to pass what we call the marshmallow test is instead of taking one marshmallow on the table today, you just, you know, self-discipline yourself. And later you get the reward of two marshmallows, right? Um, if you can think ahead that it might be uncomfortable to do some planning, shift some things around, but just get some kind of plan in place that your long-term care is covered with one or another type of policy earmarked for this specifically, then you have a folder that says in the event, in the event of emergency, in the event of sickness or death. And when the kids are scrambling because no one expected dad to have a stroke or no one expected mom to fall ill and, you know, whatever, 
it's laid out and and the amount of comfort that brings to family in crisis is amazing. It's sort of like power beyond the grave in that while you had your faculties, your smart planning self could lay out the structure as the leader of the family. So they followed it because without it, it's the King Lear. We've gone Shakespeareanly full circle. It's the different decisions, different people vying for control. And who's at the short end of that stick is the person who's going through that long-term care claim. Right. Absolutely. And I know that this has been a wonderful conversation and uh, we need to wrap up and we've given the audience a lot of information. I'm just going to touch on um, oh, just two last things. So regarding um, why even the wealthy might need it, because it's also this money is not subject to market risk, right? It's not and it's not subject to, say, fraud, right? You can't, let's say you invested with Bernie Madoff and all your money went, right? No long term care. So this way, you know that you're going to get that long-term care coverage. There's a certainty of return there, which is very unusual in the investing world. Finally, uh, obviously, it's critical to choose the right insurance company. And I could talk more about that, but and I'm sure that (laughs) I know that Jennifer could, but we're running out of time. So we just got to wrap up. I am, uh, I'm just going to say that they, uh, what we went over just as a recap, we talked about my personal experience, my mother and uh, my mother-in-law, and why I saw how critical it was uh, to have a long-term care policy. We talked, uh, number two, about what it is uh, and why you may need it. Uh, we talked about, number three, the different solutions, you know, the plain vanilla, the hybrid, and then the riders you can get on life insurance and, uh, and um, annuities. Number four, we talked about why it's so expensive, but why it's worth the worth the cost. It's a fire that is coming towards your house. You are almost certainly going to need it. Actually, on that, I'm going to say one other thing about why I like traditional plain vanilla is there's a benefit if, uh, how can I put it? It's cheaper because if, if if you live a long time and the other people who have the policies don't live a long time, you're benefiting from their death. I could speak to that a bit more, but it's a little bit like having fire insurance. I don't celebrate because my life, because if my house burns down, I'm very grateful that my house didn't burn down, even though I paid a lot of money for insurance. So similarly, a plain vanilla policy, even if you don't use it, be very grateful that you paid for it. And it's going to cost you less than if you get the money back, as we descri- described. We taught number five, my wife and I, we did the quotes. Uh, number six, the best age to get it. The best age is around now for when at my age for the traditional long-term care, age, around age 60, 62. Uh, we talked about you know how much coverage uh, you you need that this is going to cost you you know what are we saying Jennifer like seven thousand dollars a month is seven to ten thousand dollars depending on your needs probably yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we talked about um, so if you don't buy a long term care policy you know you're going to be paying an awful lot in the future uh, number eight we talked about who it works best for traditionally it's piggy in the middle people who have some assets but they're not hugely with wealthy. Then we talked about number nine, but why? For the emotional relationship reasons, I think that is the most critical reason for getting a long-term care policy. Um, and uh, number 10, choosing the right insurance company. Phew. <laughs> okay. uh, any quick closing comment, Jennifer, before we uh, hand it back to Eric? Uh, no, uh, only that if people want to follow up or have questions, I'm always happy to nerd out about insurance and risk management with anybody. You can find me at, let's see, my personal email, jennifer at teamqis.com or our website, 
quantuminsuranceservices.com. If you're interested in looking at the nonprofit for women I started, it's womenofwealth.com, which is um, W-O-M-X-N-O-F-wealth.com. And we're here in California. Happy to take care of anybody in the country. Great. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And uh, as I say, Jennifer is uh, is wonderful to work with, and you can tell she really loves this stuff. And she is she's not just going to show you the one product. She's going to look at various solutions for you to make sure she finds the right fit for you. Even though it takes, to be honest, it takes much much more work, you know, to be an expert in the different areas. Finally, uh, about me. So, um, and uh, you can contact me. Uh, you can go to the website Wellacre Wealth. Dot com and you can contact us from there or you can give us a call on 310-220-4946 310-220-4946 and uh back to you eric this has been fantastic i'm gonna tell you jennifer I, i'm a little concerned to be quite honest and an audience if you want to catch understand this reference that i'm about to make you can email adam directly he will explain the reference i'm about to make but the prices that you quoted for adam scare me because as you said he's a god among men and so what about a fat deer in a field like me <laughs> who's just munching on corn all day and is not that doesn't have that status now, now i'm gonna have to figure out what my quote would be um well later. i'll tell you one thing luckily it's with traditional long-term care it's you can either get it or you can't they don't tend to rate up the rate too much it's just more like you can get it or you can't and there are other solutions occasionally um like those hybrid products and stuff where there's a little bit more wiggle room they'll insure you it just might cost a little less or a little bit more so the best thing you can do is not choose the option a which is put your head in the sand and just at least look at things and try and do it sooner rather than later i would say um (laughs) i'm sorry to scare you but be afraid it's a it's a healthy fear to be afraid about this kind of thing and and not be one of those ostriches in my opinion or the wiggly deer in the field, like we talked about <laughs> earlier. All right. Well, Adam, obviously, I know why you brought her on the show. She called you God among men. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's a, go. a good friend. People get you everywhere. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So, again, thank you both for such great information. Thank you so much for the show. Adam, thank you for hosting this and, and bringing great information to the audience. And, of course, our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Red Carpet Retirement Podcast with Adam Scott. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Adam comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And again, this is one to share because people need to think of it, even if it's a little scary, like she said, don't stick your head in the sand, make some decisions, make some phone calls. We'll have contact information attached to the show notes so you can go right there and reach out to these folks. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Wellacre Wealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wellacre Wealth Management, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content should not be considered as legal or tax advice, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and consult with your own legal and tax professionals before taking any action.